Lord, you see every hand, you know every situation written on these cards, you know every situation in every life here, every person joining us online. I pray, Lord, that you would be the God that answers prayers. Lord, you would be the one that responds by fire, the one that, that would uh, be the one that heals broken bodies, that restores broken relationships, Father, that provides financially and, and, and in every way, Lord, we put our faith and trust in you, knowing, God, that you are the God that can answer. Also pray, Lord, now that you would speak to us through your word, you would change our hearts, starting with God. We don't want to leave it, so make us more than we pray. You may see this. Uh, before we go, what tonight is Discover, ever been to our Discover class? Uh, tonight is the night. It's about a one hour, hour and 15 minute class. And so you'll still make it home in time to watch the Bronx stomp those Vikings. So, it's, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, yeah. Uh, but so, so it's tonight at five. And, and, and one of the things that we do at the Discover class is we help identify the way God designed you to serve. Because we believe that every person has been designed to other people. And one way we do that is by serving, sometimes to the church, sometimes outside of the church. Uh, but, but beyond that, we've had some folks over the last year or so come to us and tell us that they feel that God is calling them to maybe vocational ministry pastors or staff pastors. Or and so that got about January 15th. We're going to be starting Mosaic, uh, the Mosaic School of Ministry. <laughs> really excited about that. Certificate program and the... the going to be classroom, and I actually met with a friend of mine who was actually one of my professors in Bible, and um, his name is Duane Duran. We had lunch a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, uh, do you teaching at the college level? And he says, I miss, miss it bad. I said, well, I, I have an idea for you. And so he's going to be one of the professors here. We've got a couple other professors lined about this. Uh, it's going um, to run, well, two-year program. And there's cost involved, but we don't think it's, it's super high, and, and uh, we think it's, it's well worth the money that you'll invest and so if you'd like more information, go to our website. You can get it there. You can, and you can also go to and the whole thing is going to be out there. Any questions, kind of help you. It is a fact um, from this auditorium right across the street, right, right across the hall. Uh, above our restrooms, there's for storage for years. And now we're under construction so that was a school of ministry. I, I, yeah. I believe that this could be the most significant thing we do as a church. Because we're going to start to resource the body of Christ with pastors, youth pastors, worship leaders, children's pastors, staff pastors. I think we're also going to build a team where we're going to start planting campuses. And so I'm so, I could not be more excited about the Mosaic School of Ministry. All right, now, so now, uh, let's talk about, uh, we're going to continue in this series, and today we're going to focus on a very short but powerful phrase. That phrase is, thank you. So this week, there's an entire holiday set aside, uh, Thanksgiving just so that we can uh, sit around and express our gratitude and be thankful. And some of you are really thankful because all of your family is coming in and they're all going to be together and it's going to be a great time. And some of you will be really thankful when they leave, right? I mean, just be honest, okay? Uh, but we're, we're going to talk today about being thankful either way. And uh, one of the things that we've been learning in this series is how powerful our words are. Our words are powerful to the people around us, to, to us as we're listening even to ourselves. So uh, this is Brett Favre, and he was the quarterback mostly for the Green Bay Packers. That was most of his career. Played 20 seasons, threw for 71,838 passing yards, 508 touchdowns. He was ranked uh, recently number 22 in the top 100 people to play the game of football. So he's uh, ended up getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And in his Hall of Fame speech, he shared a story that he had never shared publicly. His dad, Irvin Favre, was... Uh, his high school football coach, and he said that on the last game of his high school career, he didn't play well. 
And so he said, I didn't have a, a, my own car in high school, so I would ride to and from practice with my dad and to and from the games. So I'm sitting outside of my dad's office waiting for us to go home after my last high school football game. He goes, and I could hear my dad talking to the other coaches. And this is what his dad said. He said, I can assure you one thing about my son. He will play better. He will redeem himself. I know my son. He has it in him. Brett, I think it's fair to say that Brett uh, redeemed himself, played pretty well, ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he said, I never forgot that statement. And I spent the rest of my career trying to prove him right, trying to show that my dad knew what he was talking about. He also said, never discount the importance of being a father and the power of the statements that you make to your children. Our words are powerful. And so today we're going to look at uh, the phrase, thank you. And we live in a time when people can be a lot of things, but a lot of time they're not thankful, right? They're not grateful. Have you ever been around a complainer? Doesn't it wear you down? Like this time of year, I hear people complaining about the weather. They're like, it's so hot. I can't believe it's this hot in November. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of nice, isn't it? Like you still, we can still walk around outside. And, yes, but it doesn't feel like fall. My pumpkin spice just doesn't hit the same because it doesn't feel like fall. These same people in one month will be complaining, it's so cold. I can't believe it. I'm so sick of this snow. It's snowing. I'm like, yeah, but, but we live in Colorado. It, you know, it snows here. It's part of the past. Yeah, but I'm just so sick of it. I'm ready for spring. Like, have you ever been around somebody like that? Isn't it, like, irritating? If they're here, don't point at them. Don't be like, okay, don't, don't do that, all right? But I wonder about those people, like, if they lived in Hawaii, would they be like, it's perfect again. I'm so sick of this perfect weather. You know what I mean? Like, some people just seem designed and wired to complain. And we complain about all kinds of things. Like, I've met people who will walk into a beautiful kitchen, open a refrigerator full of food, and say, there's nothing to eat. Or they'll go to their TV, 500 channels, plus Netflix, Hulu, Disney, Apple TV, Prime. There's nothing to watch. I've met women, not in this church, but other churches, who will walk into a closet half the size of this stage, and they'll look at all their clothes and say, there's nothing to wear, right? Now we're pointing. Okay, so... Today we're going to look at someone in the Bible who was grateful, who said thank you. We're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 17. Jesus is heading into Jerusalem, and he runs into 10 guys that need something. This is where we start, Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. So these 10 men all have one thing in common. Besides the leprosy, they all have a situation that is absolutely hopeless. There was no cure for leprosy. And so it was a, it was a, a very desperate situation. They were all slowly dying. Uh, leprosy was the most feared disease in Bible times. It, it would begin with small white splotches on your skin, and then they would spread. And what would happen is leprosy starts to kill the, the small nerve endings in your body. And so it would kill the sensitivity of the fingers, of the toes. And then what it does is it starts to reabsorb cartilage back into the body. And so it appears as though the person's nose has fallen off, when in reality what's happened is the body has reabsorbed it. 
reabsorbs the ears, and then it starts reabsorbing the bones in the fingers, dissolves the bones. So eventually it looks like people's fingers and toes have fallen off. It was a, a, a very desperate way to live, and eventually that person would end up in a coma and they would die. Terrifying way to die. Now, according to the CDC, there are still a couple of hundred cases of leprosy in the United States right now. What's weird is most of them are in Florida. Like, isn't Florida weird? Like, if you think about it, like, if you're watching, if you're on, on Instagram or something, and there's a, a video of two people fist fighting in a Waffle House, it's in Florida. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on in Florida. If you're joining us from Florida, what's going on in Florida? Anyway, so, so today, if you, if you have leprosy, it can be treated with antibiotics and with this antibiotic cream. But back then, it was a death sentence. The, the word leprosy means smite or stricken, meaning the person has been afflicted. If you got leprosy, you would immediately have to leave your home, leave your family, leave your friends, your children, your job. You would have to live outside of the city. There was a strict law that said a leper could not come within 50 yards of a person who didn't have the disease. So on top of being physically separated from others, they had to identify themselves publicly everywhere they went to make sure nobody would come close to them. So they would rip their clothes as a sign of their, they were mourning their own imminent death, which is pretty uh, sad. They would shave their heads. They would also cover their faces with a jacket. And if anybody got close to them, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean. Imagine never being able to see your kids again or never be able to touch another human being, never be able to speak to your children. They lived in a time with no painkillers, no pharmacies, and no antibiotics. It was very lonely. Their families would leave them food on the edge of town, but they could, they could never enter back into town. So they would watch their, fa their, their families grow, their kids grow up from 100 yards away, never being able to interact. Imagine watching your whole life pass you by from 50 or 100 yards away and you could never do anything about it. It's a very terrible, lonely way to live, living in a prison with no bars. If a leper decided to disobey these rules, they would be stoned to death. They, would be, they were completely invisible, never touched, never feeling a child hug, never hearing a kid laugh. So these 10 guys are living this very miserable existence, but then something happens. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how this happened. We don't know if they heard about Jesus and they positioned themselves in, in his path. We don't know if it just was by a coincidence. We don't know if someone told them he was coming. But somehow, way, these guys are in the right place at the right time. And they're interacting with Jesus. This is what they do. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Some of us are going through things in our lives that we think nobody understands. That we think there's nobody around us that could possibly understand what we're going through. So what we do is we complain. Now what these guys did is they took their, their complaint to Jesus. That's the right thing to do. Some of us take that same kind of complaint to Facebook. Prayers, please. No questions. This is my face when I read those. Right? Like, I want attention but I'm not going to answer any questions. Like, it's, it's so dumb because the people that don't like you are happy that you're struggling, right? So don't put your stuff on Facebook because half the people are happy you're struggling. The other half are just happy it's not them. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's light and love, energy. Like, what are we doing, right? So instead of that, these guys go to the one person who could help them. Now, notice they say Jesus. Most people would have referred to Jesus 
as a teacher or a rabbi in this context. But they don't. They say, Jesus, master. We see that they're humbling themselves and they're coming to God and bowing their knee essentially, right? Sometimes we come to God and we say, God, if you do this, I'll do this. If you heal me, I'll serve you. If you give me that woman, I'll start going to church with her. If you, right, we start, we, there's this, if you do this, then I'll do this. These guys cry out humbly and say, Master, have your way. They knew that this was more than a teacher. This was the teacher. They knew he was more than a physician. This was the physician. Jesus is not interested in being your spiritual advisor or your higher power or your good luck charm. The only suitable seat for Jesus is the throne of your heart. If he's Lord at all, he is Lord of all. That's who Jesus is. So these guys humble themselves. Jesus, master, have pity on us. This is what happens next. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, doing that, the priests were the ones that declared someone had leprosy. So they were kind of like the doctors. So it would be like Jesus saying, go and get checked out by a doctor. And as they went, they were cleansed. Notice Jesus didn't pray for them. No holy water, no prayer chain. No, he just said, go to the priests. And it took faith for them to go because as they were standing there listening, they had leprosy. But as they went and obeyed, it started to change. Can you imagine that moment? As they said, well, they, I basically have nothing to lose. So they start walking. And as they're walking, could you imagine them looking down and seeing their fingers coming back? Looking at each other and realizing that their bodies are changing as they're walking? Let me put this as gently but plainly as I can. Will you stop arguing with God for one minute and just maybe do what he's telling you to do? Because maybe the answer to your prayers is not in you begging or demanding, but it's in you going and doing what he's telling you to do. And as you go, maybe that's when God's going to do the miracle. Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't seem to make any sense. That's what happens here. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, these guys are lepers. They have leprosy. It would have been very easy for them to say, well, Jesus, um, I, I've never, I'm, I'm no doctor. I ain't never been to medical school. I failed biology in high school, as a matter of fact. But I know what leprosy looks like, and I still have it. So if I go to the priest and show myself to him, he's going to tell me that I have leprosy, and I'm going to have to pay a $25 copay for nothing. Right? They could have easily done that. But they didn't. They didn't argue. They just obeyed. And as they went, they were healed. This is what happens next. One of them. Everybody say one. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. It's interesting that Luke points out that the guy was a Samaritan. So back then, there was uh, basically two kind of um, cultures, two ethnic groups. One was the Jewish people. The other was anyone who was not Jewish. They were Gentile. But the Samaritans were a mixed race. When Jewish and Gentile people came together, they had children and they were a mixed race. And they lived in a time when mixed race was not allowed. So there was actually a Jewish saying about the Samaritans. They said the Samaritans are lower than dogs. 
So this Samaritan has every reason to hate Jewish people and to hate Jesus. Jesus is Jewish. Instead, this guy finally receives what we all have a second chance. Think about that moment when he realizes as he's looking at his hands, as he's looking at his arms, the leprosy's gone. I can go back to being a husband. I want to go make out with my wife. That's, I'm sure that's what he thought, right? Like, been a while. You know what I mean? You know how it's been when you've been on a trip? Okay, anyway. Um, sorry. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, he's like, I want to go and hug my kids, right? I want to go meet my grandkids. I'm sure he had all that. I want to go to Santiago's and get some huevos rancheros, right? With some chicharron on the side, right? He, that's what he wants to do. Maybe that's just what I want to do. But anyway, he has all these things that he wants to do. But before he does that, he says, wait a minute, and he went back to say thank you. One of them went back to say thank you. Now, before we're too hard on the other nine, I have been one of the other nine. So have you. There's been many times when God has blessed us, and we never even thought to say thank you. There are people that didn't wake up this morning, you know that? There are people who did not make it past yesterday. Did we thank God when we woke up, got out of bed? Did we say thank God or we went, oh God, you know, I'm hurting, right? <laughs> and what's even worse is we don't only, sometimes we don't even thank God, but we, don't, we actually get mad at him for giving us what we prayed for. God, please give me a wife. And he does it. And then six months later, God, this one's crazy. Do you have any other ones? Do you have any... <laughs> God, we want to be parents so bad. Please, please give us a child. And then that kid becomes a teenager. And then you're like, God, I'm going to send this one back early. Right? So, <laughs> let, me, let me share with you a statement, hopefully, that will help us grow our gratitude. Because one of the reasons we never say thank you is we're looking past what God has given us because we want more. Right? This guy could have easily said, I'm going back to my life. I'm going to go get more. But he stops himself. And he goes back and he thanks Jesus. This is that statement. Oh, no. I skipped something. I do this professionally. <laughs> Sometimes people pay me to do this. I skipped the scripture. Look what Jesus says. Jesus asks, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, you can almost hear the hurt in Jesus' voice, can't you? Where's everybody else? I know I healed 10 guys, and nine of them are gone. Only one guy came back. What is it about our hearts that allow us to be so ungrateful? I think it's the pursuit of more. So here's that phrase. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I know you want more. I know you want more, more money, maybe a nicer car, maybe more time with your kids, maybe better travel experiences. Maybe you want more customers or more opportunities or more leadership or, or more influence. But I promise you this, whatever you're wanting more of, if you're not happy now, you won't be happy when you get more of whatever it is you're wanting. That was good, Angel. Say it again. Okay, I will. If you're not happy now, you won't be happy when you get more of whatever it is you're wanting. This guy's name is Nick uh, Vujicic. He was born a healthy baby, but he was born with no arms and no legs. As a child, he struggled with depression and loneliness. When he was 10 years old, he tried to take his own life. 
But then Nick committed his life to Christ. Now he travels the world speaking, sharing his story, and sharing the gospel. It's the goal of his ministry to share the gospel with one billion people worldwide. This is what he said about what I want versus what I have. He said, you could surround yourself with all that money can buy, and you'd still be as miserable a human, as a human being can be. I know people with perfect bodies who don't have half the happiness that I have found. A man who has much less than you is telling you the answer is not in more. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I, I don't know what you want more of and what you think it's going to do for you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be ambitious. You should work hard. But don't think that your peace is going to be found in that, right? Some people are like, I need granite countertops because I know my beans and rice will taste better on granite countertops. There's something about eating a bologna sandwich off granite countertops that just make everything taste better. Look what the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, look what he said about this. He said, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. It's better to be content with what you see or what you have now than to be constantly be roving and looking. But Angel, I don't have a lot to be thankful for now. Mm, let's talk about that. Let's think about that for a second. The average person in our church has enough food to eat at least three times a day. Some of us, the doctor's like, let's slow down a little. You know what I mean? Uh, you have a bed to sleep in tonight. You know where you're sleeping, and it's indoors. It might not be the Sealy Posturepedic adjustable that you're really wanting, but there's a lot of folks that don't have what you have. You have clothes to wear. You know, I've met people, this is crazy. I've met people that have more than one pair of shoes. Have you ever heard of such a thing? They have a pair that they wear to work, a pair that they work out in, a pair they wear around town. They have a pair of shoes just for inside the house. They have a pair of boots for when it snows, and they even have a pair of shoes that they only wear when they mow the lawn. Could you imagine being so rich you have lawn mowing shoes? Do you know someone who has a shoe problem? Raise your hand. Point at them. Let's just find out who it is. Okay, good. You probably have a cell phone. I've met people who have phones that are so fancy, they just push a couple buttons and then like magic, 20 minutes later, a pizza appears at their house. We are blessed. Most of you have a car that you can drive home. Maybe someone's going to drive you home. Few of you even have a car that, a garage that you can park your car in. Some of you have a two or three car garage that's so full of stuff that you can't park your car in it. And still we want more. You have a job to provide you an income. You're healthy enough to be here today. And you might, I, know, I know that you got up this morning and your back was hurting and your knees were hurting and you're like, oh man, I'm hurting. But you know what? I guarantee one thing, there are people in the hospital that would trade places with you right now. We have friends and family. I know sometimes they drive you nuts. I know your family makes you a little crazy. But you wouldn't trade anything for your husband and your kids or your wife and your kids. Oh, well, your husband maybe, but your, your kids. You're here today, which is proof that you're listening to the God who's pursuing you. There's a God in heaven, the God who spoke the world into existence. Think about the power of that. God spoke, and every planet that we see right now and the ones that we don't see came into existence. 
And that same God is, I know, I hear her. It's okay. <laughs> you should be thankful that's not you. You're like, oh, man, I'm just glad my kid's not crying. <laughs> We've been there, man. I, I remember when we, had, when we first got kids. I was like, if my kids cry, they're not going to cry. And then my own, someone else was crying. And I'm like, I'm just glad it's not mine, man. I'm just, hey, I'm, you know what? We have, we have nurseries. We have kids' church. We have all that stuff. And I, they're incredible. But if you bring your kids here, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad they're here. Because they are the life of our church. So I'm glad. We could go on and on thanking God for all that God has given us. So Brett Favre, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, they give him eight minutes to do their acceptance speech. He spoke for a record 36 minutes. And he said thank you at least 35 times. Every minute he spoke, on average, he was thanking someone. He thanked his family. He thanked his coaches. He thanked his teammates. He thanked his fans. He thanked the coach that recruited him in college. He even thanked the best man in his wedding. Maybe we could use some more of that. Because Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? I'm, I live my life. We live our lives, Diana and I, so that God will never say, angel was one of those nine. Let it be said of us that we were not one of those other nine. So we're going to pray right now, and we're just going to say thank you. We're just going to thank God. We're not going to ask him for anything, but we're just going to thank him. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for all of the incredible gifts and blessings that you've given me. Forgive me, God, for the times that I didn't say thank you. Thank you for everything I have, for the clean water I have to drink, for the clothes that I have to wear, for the food in our cabinets, for our homes, for our parents, for our siblings, for our friends, for our husbands and our wives. God, thank you for the struggles every day and the lessons that we learn from them because they are making us stronger. Thank you for the time you've given me and the blessings of every new day. Thank you for being with me, Lord, for hearing me. I know you hear me. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you uh, stand and sing this last chorus with us? So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. So Thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for my sins. 
wash away my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. Amen. You may be seated. If you just said that prayer for the first time or with any sort of conviction in your heart, congratulations. select new believer we'd love to just support you with some reading materials and some you know support and community along the way because we were not meant to live this life alone we we're meant to live it with one another um, I, uh, pastor angel already touched on discover mosaic which is tonight at five o'clock and if you were listening to him thinking like yeah i do consider mosaic in my church if someone were to ask me where i go to church i would say mosaic you've got to come to discover you'll get to learn more about mosaic and staff here. You'll get to feel more part of this community and get plugged in. So tonight at five, dinner served. You gotta be here. Coming up is Refresh Christmas. So all the ladies, this is for you. Benji's gonna start playing. Girls just wanna have fun on the keyboard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's um, Thursday, November 30th. And it's a time for us to just be around other like-minded women, have some treats, celebrate Christmas. It's gonna be a great time. There's no registration needed, uh, but we are asking for like a little donation to make everything fun. So if you have any questions, our welcome center, they'll be able to answer it or scan that QR code. You'll find more information on their website. On December 3rd, which is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we have Santa coming. And it's going to be so fun. We love when Santa comes to visit. So tell your friends, your, your friends with kids, your grandkids everyone to come because instead of standing in the line at the mall, which can be a little chaotic, you can come to church, take a picture with Santa before you leave. Um, and speaking of Christmas, we have our youth Christmas party. And so if you've ever been a part of the youth uh, like program or the youth group here at Mosaic, it's actually a reunion for everyone else, all the alumni. So I was in Mosaic Youth in the year 2009. So that's how old I am. <laughs> and so I'll be at this party. If you've ever been a part of Mosaic Youth, come to the, uh, the party. You can find more information in that QR code, but it is Wednesday, December 6th at 6.30. Our last act of worship today is our tithes and 